Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. You're listening to Bry Island Discs. I'm sorry we're a bit later than usual. We've had a few technical issues, but we're back here now. In the studio, we have a phys- physicist who is also a, a music- musician. Um, Doc Carney's been in, at Brian's for 28 years now, This coming up this summer. And I wonder if there comes, um, if there's a sort of unity or sort of something you get from physics which adds to your music interest. I mean, you have your own show. You're, you're a huge member of the choir. You've, you've done lots of singing across all your life. Um, and I wonder, what's the sort of scientific element of music that perhaps interests you? I think maybe there isn't any. Uh, I think maybe the music is the counterpoint to the science. Um, it's the just just removed from that scientific edge, if you like. I will say that there's there's styles of music I like, and I probably would be guilty of uh, I don't know maybe having a slightly sort of scientific interest in. Um, in terms of harmony and things like that and rhythm that, that just sort of, I don't know, something regular sort of um, systematic maybe would be a, an odd word to use. Um, but in general, I just love the passion of music and and it's a strange mix tonight as always when I choose songs, but um, it's it's just things that get me excited. Well, I think that's, you, you have got a diverse sort of interest of music. I think you're... Uh, your choices are very sort of broad. I, I, where's all that come from? Have you travelled a lot or, and seen where these musics have originated from? Or Not particularly, no. I mean, one thing I decided was not to do anything or have anything classical tonight or, or choral. And, you know, choral music, singing in choir has been a big part of my life. But I just... I couldn't, you know, going for five is is hard, as everyone knows who's tried it. Going for five was easier if I could get rid of that bit. Um, other than that, no, I mean, I was exposed to some music. Uh, my, my my brother is sort of 12 years older than me, and I was exposed to some uh, some interesting sounds, I think, early on in my life. Uh, not that I particularly remember very many, but uh, it must have influenced me because we've got a very uh, interesting sort of crossover in what we like to listen to and still buy each other CDs and, and you know, for Christmas and go you've got to listen to this we're still doing that uh all these years later and tell us about uh sort of the, the young doc carney what what was the sort of what was the childhood sort of memories that springs to mind when you think about what's the fondest memories uh fondest memories um uh, yeah happy happy childhood i mean you know with spies anybody i was a bit of a geek uh, that's not a problem. Um, I wasn't much of a sportsman, uh, but I was pretty nifty with the Lego. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just who I was. I, I loved my my uh, love music even sort of from an early age and singing especially. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it sort of I, I was got involved with engineering and planes and things like this my father was mad for it my father wanted to be an engineer but couldn't be one because his parents sent him off to grammar school or this sort of thing and so you know I grew up underneath a, a Ford Escort taking the gearbox off or going to air shows or going sailing I mean it was just always doing stuff and 
the fondest memories are probably just that my parents, we didn't have a great deal of money, but they'd always make sure the weekends were interesting. You'd always go to places and do stuff. My father was active in a model, not a model, a steam railway. And uh, I used to go at weekends and uh, be acting signalman or guard on a, on a proper steam train, um, you know, taking people's tickets and things. And it, at other times, helping fix the track and the signals. Um, so I grew up always being involved in different stuff. And that was just, it was open to new ideas, was hopefully the, uh, the, the idea from them. And it kind of worked. Oh, well, I can see it's kind of, it's instilled a sort of appreciation for sort of physics and how these things work because I think people don't appreciate how a light actually works or how a steam train actually is such an amazing sort of invention um but no it's it's fascinating tell us about your first track um Sacred Child Sacred Child is by one of my favorite bands in some ways the tracks tonight are kind of one each from my favorite bands though there's some personal stuff in there too uh the Silencers Glaswegian band who most people haven't heard of um still going many years later um i just love what they do and sacred child was one of the first tracks i ever heard of theirs uh it goes on a bit it's pretty high energy but uh yeah have a listen Where did this song uh, come from? I mean, I, I know we actually haven't got the... This isn't the right sort of version, but it's the same band, uh, nevertheless. But where where, yeah, where yeah, did this appear in your life and why? Uh, this appeared in my life because um, I always wanted to listen to new music and uh, I used to buy Q magazine regularly, um, which I think is now defunct, and read the reviews. And I would voraciously read the reviews. And if I saw something that had a good number of stars and they said the right sort of things and referenced the sort of bands I like, I went and bought it. And they, in the, even in the review, they said Sacred Child was, was the, the key track. And that was that. Um, I, there's um, <clears throat> Going back to my, my childhood, you were saying happy memories, sharing music. I mean, there's a a thing on old records which you wouldn't know but people my generation would know where it always used to say home taping is killing music 
Um, well, what is home? What is home taping? Home taping. Oh God! Oh Sorry, God! Yeah. Oh God! So uh, yeah. So here. this is this is uh, this is getting your vinyl record. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then taping it, putting it onto a cassette tape. Uh, and then yeah, sending it to your mate to go. Listen, to this this is fantastic. Um, oh, or doing you know, piracy. Play- exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it was k- killing home music. Of course, what it sort of meant for me was that I ended up listening to all these new tracks and then buying shed loads of of, of albums and CDs and so on. Um, but uh, you know, happy memories of, of listening to the radio, trying to hear some track that you really wanted. Uh, and in those days, uh, actually having a, a microphone pointed at the radio, trying to pick up the sound uh, on AM on a crackly evening, uh, and then recording it onto a dodgy tape. Oh, yes. Quality music, I assure you. Was was music a sort of currency back then? Was that the sort of thing you traded in the classroom? Oh, really? No, no. It was just a group of us, um, of us who were really into it. My, my mate Jez and I we were, we were exploring new music, and we'd spend sort of very late nights listening to stuff and just exploring new things. and. Um, as, as you know, I do my own, own show here on a Thursday night, and um, one of the bands that sort of he led me to, I'm going to be featuring this Thursday. So yeah, it's still with me. You know, what, what, what we were listening to aged you know, 13, 14, 15, um, yeah, I carried through all my life, really. Oh, that's amazing. I think, I think lots of people, they, they drop music, at, they sort of pick up and drop music, but it, it's nice to have your friends, your firm friends in music sort of with you and your... Um, it's a source of comfort, really, isn't it? It's a big... I mean, lots of people, you know, find music connects you to events and times in the past. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and certainly, yeah, I, you, you go back to school friends or university friends or events and times like we all do. Um, but I, I, I never stopped. I've, I've kind I've nearly stopped collecting now, I fear. I might have stopped collecting. I still still buy a few stuff. <laughs> but, but, but the trouble is that the collector in me still likes hardware, you know, mm, I like to have a disc, yeah. And this this download stuff, you know, it's yeah. it's not it's not as not real. The same, it's like no. books and Kindles. You can't beat the page. Smell of old record shops. Oh, oh. it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, tell us about your next track, um, Box of Rain. So, um, uh, one of the bands that I again that I have followed for years and years and years um, are the Grateful Dead, and the Grateful Dead um, started in the late sixties, uh, sort of hippie band out of California, uh, and Quite the most extraordinary sort of history of of, of, of a band, playing music which um, varied in character from sort of blues uh, initially uh, through to psychedelia uh, and onwards through Americana, and famed for their live shows. Uh, their live shows were a thing, which is why choosing a, a number for now was almost impossible. Um, but this song, it was written. Um, there's lots of history about how this song was written, and the, the, the lyricist and the, the 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 musician both sort of having inspiration at the same time in different ways, uh, and and writing about um, about the death of a loved one and the need for for looking after each other and for caring for each other at times of uh, of stress. Uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful song. Oh, it sounds pretty pretty deep and heavy, but I, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll like it.
every sky What do you want me to do To do for you To see you through For this is all a dream we dream One afternoon long ago Connie, you said that you you before Bryanson you were an engineer and um, but you thought the machines were a bit sort of peopleless and a bit sort of autonomous and you moved over to teaching people who you know that why tell us more about why you made that sort of decision to leave being perhaps an astronaut or a or a space scientist or something. I don't know. No, no, not quite. No, I was. Uh, I, I, I do. I do trade on being a rocket scientist. I will. I'll go for that one, um, which is something I did do. Uh, but no, I was a senior aerodynamicist, and I spent my entire time, uh, pretty much, staring at a computer. Actually, I didn't spend my entire time spending a computer. I spent a lot of my time talking to my mate Toddy about um, new new music that we liked and, and, and new cookery experiences and so on and so <laughs> forth. And then eventually got round to spending some time staring at my computer. Uh, a lot of programming and a lot of things that I just didn't really, it didn't excite me. Uh, there, there were some good times and, and going off and doing wind tunnel testing and, and you know, travelling the country a little bit. But um, it was a job that was a natural progression from the degree, the PhD. They'd sponsored me, British Aerospace had sponsored me through all of my degree and my PhD. And it was kind of what I was sort of destined to do, if you like, in that respect, from age 18 when I decided to get into aerospace. Um, the trouble was, this was 10 years later, and I'm 28, and that's not what I want to do anymore. Uh, although I still... To, to genuinely get a kick out of aerodynamics and engineering and physics and all the rest of it, the day job, no. no I, and, I, and I started doing some work with a local school in Bristol uh, as a sort of a, a visiting engineer. Uh, and I taught at Cambridge um, as a graduate. I taught some undergraduates. And I thought, you know, I think that that's where my future lies. Uh, and I thought I'd have a, <laughs> have a go at teaching. Uh, and that was 28 years ago. But uh, you, you seem from the start you have this kind of creative streak with your with your music and... And I mean, sometimes I think science and creativity, do they, uh, it's, it's, it's slightly conflicting because, you know, with science and physics especially, it's all rigid and numbers and, well, that's how I see it. And I'm a very sort of, well, I don't know, the, the numbers don't really sort of work well with me. But um, how, how did it kind of, how, it's quite a divergent path, really. Um, I don't know, really. I, I think th th there has to be creativity. One of the things I liked about the aerodynamic side of things is that there's a bit of dark arts to it. In that, yes, I was doing an awful lot of, of plugging numbers into, into computers and, and writing software, but there, there's enough complexity in there that you have to 
yeah, you have to interpret the results and think about the results and make sense of the results. And that's where understanding how the flow works and what's going on was was important uh, and not just to sort of trust the number that comes out. Uh, and if you're you know, designing something new, then maybe you need to be a little bit more creative and explore new things. I didn't have much of that in my career. Um, but obviously, if you if you take the aerodynamic strand and then go into you know, modern motor racing or something like that, which was a big part of my, 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 my childhood, again, going to motor racing, but I never never picked it up as a career option. Um, then creativity is a very big deal um, and paid well because coming up with new ways to solve problems is is big money. But music, you weren't tempted to sort of go into it professionally? Uh, well, I, 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 <laughs> I, I have. I have been paid um, quite on and off. Um, our last track, or it could be an extract if you want to, um, was, a, was a group that I was in. But as a, as a choral singer... Um, I've been a paid soloist and, and performed um, for chorus of choirs and choral societies uh, in Bristol, and then in Dorset and in the area. So uh, I did that uh, on and off, never really thinking it was. I mean, I've never been good, good enough to make it a career of it. But uh, I had money, I had money in pocket for it. Uh, and the group that um, that I, I I founded and the the, the a cappella group, we we sort of we toyed with the idea very briefly. Um, maybe I always fancy we should have had a charity single. Uh, one of a the bit songs. Like, um, what was the well band aid? A bit of a that sort of thing. Yeah, one one of the songs we did was um, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, oh. and uh, it was around the time of, of, of Freddie Mercury's death, and they they re released Bohemian Rhapsody for uh, the Terence Higgins Trust uh, for Ca- Cancer Trust, and I thought you know, on the back of that, can, could we have a like a charity single? You know, do our version and uh, and sort of yeah, not 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 for the money, just for the fun of it, really, and the money would go somewhere worthwhile. Uh, and I believe there was one agent who was sort of interested in us once, but uh, the, the group, as we were, have now gone on to all sorts of weird and wonderful things around the world, so uh, it was never really going to happen. Sorry, so that was a spe- specifically a cappella group? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I, I sang sort of barbershop stuff at school, and then uh, Cambridge um, was in a couple of groups and then formed this group, which which was proved to be really successful. And we did a, an awful lot of stupid number of May balls. We got bookings to go to, uh, we went to Uganda, we went to Paris, oh, wow. we went to Japan, uh, gigs in London, all sorts of things. Obscure, obscure selection, but um, yeah, we, we did very well for ourselves for a while. I mean, no, no big money or anything, but a lot of fun. What was your band name? We were called Short Back and Sides, uh, which, um, you know, it, it goes back to the uh, the barbershop origins. Um, and yeah, we finding names for bands is 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 hellish difficult. And uh, yeah, this this sort of worked. Uh, it sort of stuck with us. <laughs> well, we we're going to hear Doc Carney's um, own own. Yes, yes. I, I couldn't. I mean, it's, it's a little bit egotistical, I suppose, to put your, yourself in the on the island. But <laughs> the thing about this track is that's that's my 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 wonderful mate singing. Yeah. And so many memories. And um, if you're about to queue it up. Um, we need to get to the end. The Howler Monkey is me. Apologies, Emily, just before you start the track, actually. So obviously, um, Dot Connie, you've had quite a, quite a range and, you know, walks of life. You know, you've travelled quite a lot. You've, um, you know, you've taught, you know, vast amounts of people. And, uh, you know, you have huge amounts of experience in physics and, you know, the creative aspects of music. How much would you say from your experience from, you know, teaching and working with people, Uh, does the physics and the kind of creative side of music overlap really Um, and you know would you say there's kind of a 
a strong relationship there? Sorry uh, to throw that out to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great question. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh, right. Uh, let's go to the song. No, uh, there was... Uh, uh, I mean, the creativity side of it now, for me, is as much as anything... Physics is a subject which many people find hard. I didn't, so I was lucky. But trying to make it simple is needs creativity. Yeah, you need to find ways to to get people to understand things and to recognise that different people understand things in totally different ways. So if you like, I mean, I'm not sure I've, I've apart from the uh, the famous um, electromagnetic spectrum song, which we oh, we have song. sung after all. <laughs> um, I should have put that in really. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, you know, I can't say that music has come much into my uh, into my physics, um, but um, the creativity is now about finding new ways uh, to explore ideas with a different generation of people every time and a different clutch of people with different needs and, and different ideas. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry, I'd really bad of me not to introduce um, Ollie into the on the show tonight, but Ollie's uh, in training and hopefully thinking about taking on Braille and, um as part of the sort of interviewing team no, coming up with really me. hard questions <laughs> who is also tutee to Doc Carney so really really knows where to get those questions just get the knife in between the ribs <laughs> exactly uh, look forward to the next tutorial um, <laughs> well here, here, here is the track we've been talking about so long Telling us who the the lead singers are and what they're doing now. Oh uh, uh, yeah, so we've got a separate way. So uh, there's a there's a, a West End star. You know who you are, Chris. Um, there's a, a military scientist tuning in from. I think he's tuning in from America tonight, which is nice. Uh, there's a, a pretty serious um, uh, doctor. Uh, who else is there? There's somebody working. Um, I'm trying to think who else is on on this particular recording. Who else should it be? Oh, an antiquarian bookseller. Um, yeah, we, we sort of went our own ways. And uh, another another actor as well who's got a production coming on in uh, Beckingham, Beckingham, I think it is quite soon. So, yeah, we all went our separate ways. And uh, You went your separate ways. Is that a sort of polite way of saying it was a, 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 a sort of dramatic breakup? Or not was at it, all. No, no, it was no, a very just, civil sort of... We just, we just finished at university and, <laughs> and you know, it, it was a bit like... Um, oh, I forgot there's a, scene, there's a very senior archaeologist as well. Sorry, I forgot Jem for a moment there. Um, but, no, we, we just went our own ways and, uh, and finished at university and... It was quite difficult. One or two people sort of dragged back when we went on tour and this sort of thing. So you thought you'd left. And it's a bit like MI5. You got dragged back into the fold and had to do it more. I'd like you to listen to the end. Yeah, listen to the end. (laughs) 
you believe it? That monkey you heard at the end was actually the one and only Doc Carney. <laughs> I think we would, maybe we won't catch that on radio, but I'm sure someone's going to get him to repeat that <laughs> that sound he just heard on the recording. Yeah, it was a bit of a problem with the recording studio we did it because it, it fit, sort of filtered into every other microphone. It was so loud. We were sort of doing this and every other microphone had me in it blasting away at that. But, uh, yeah, it was it's good fun. It's incredibly realistic. Have you been studying monkeys for a long time? I, David Attenborough, you know, you learn a lot. You watch those programmes. But... Uh, yeah. No, no, it's good fun. And they should do that live every time as well and yeah, bring the house down. It's good. <laughs> and are you still singing now? I mean, you're obviously singing with the school and in the school choir, but do you have your own group sort of outside school? Sadly not, no. Um, so, yeah, I sing with the choir and the school when I get sort of called in to do so. Um, I haven't done any... Um, any sort of professionals singing for a long time. There's a choir that the old headmaster, uh, Tom Weir, gathers together of old singers and people like me, and we gather occasionally. Um, for a while, I was in a blues band, which was quite fun. But it was uh, actually in the, uh, the the old lags of Bryanson, won't be remember, Paul Hart. Paul Hart was a very good uh, blues guitarist that worked in the tech department. And he had this sort of enormous blues band uh, with a string section and a horn section, and he decided to add a gospel choir like you do. Uh, so he drafted me and a few others, and uh, so I sang in this blues band for a while, which was, was enormous fun. Um, pretty, uh, pretty chaotic. Uh, Paul was a wonderful man uh, and a great musician, but organising wasn't always his, 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 his strong suit. And I remember one time turning up, thinking it was going to be the gospel choir, and uh, we had a guest artist coming in. I said, give me the songs we've done before. Yeah, 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 you'll know all the songs. We didn't know any of the songs. <laughs> and it was just myself and, and, and one other singer. So we got a microphone each with the, we are the backing singers, and these songs we've never seen before. And, uh, you know, once through uh, in, in rehearsal, and then suddenly there's a few hundred people watching and waiting to be entertained. So, yeah, it's good fun. Gosh, and is it is entertaining? Is that something you really enjoy doing? To- uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I I don't like an empty stage. I, I I I get twitchy when there's an empty stage. I need to get up there and perform. You know, if there's an audience, uh, mm. I, I I just love it. I, and I I've always had that. I mean, the, the nice thing was that through things like the short back and sides, the the a cappella group, we did really well for ourselves. And you get a great confidence. You have a self confidence that you can deliver something interesting. And we did our own show in Cambridge at the ADC, um, and and you just felt that. People would, would like it if you went up and stood up and talked to them and, and, and sang. Um, so I like it too. I think it's a great sort of thing to bring people together to with music. And um, do you do you do you know do you can you play any instruments as well? No. No. Four so weeks of learning the clarinet. <laughs> I made I stopped it squawking. I think, but that was about it really. A bit of recorder, you know. There we go. Yeah, but your voice. I mean. Do you ever have times when your voice sort of you get a croaky voice and that's it? Because I mean you're reliant on your voice to perform. Absolutely, and and uh, yeah, especially when you're trying to sing. I'll, I'll say properly, um, you know, uh, say doing these sort of gigs for choral societies and things, and just dreading you're going to pick something. In fact, the very last uh, the last gig I didn't do was because I fell ill. I was going to do a Bach um, oratorio or something. I thought what it was now, and I just fell ill and couldn't couldn't rehearse and couldn't sing for the last sort of few days. Then to pull out and. Uh, yeah, haven't done one since. Oh, really, no, I guess it's. I mean, is it? Do you do you miss? You obviously miss that. You miss performing, and you miss. I, I do. I do. It's, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, there's something wonderful about applause, and there's something wonderful yeah. about uh, entertaining people. That group, we were we were funny. We did very silly things and silly songs, um, and we went down well. And just the joy, people clapping along and laughing and and going for encores and things. It's it's very special. <laughs> Sorry, Doc Honey, was this group more of like a pastime to you, or did you see it more as like something that could turn professional? Or how did you kind of see the road at the time um, that you could kind of take with this a cappella? It kind of existed gig? initially because uh, at Cambridge you have the, the Mayballs uh, and Oxford, and they're very expensive. And if you can get a gig playing at them, you can get a free ticket sometimes. So uh, so that's how it started. And then uh, we got good enough, so we were doing three or four balls a night, so doing gigs all around Cambridge. And then so we were taking money for it and then and then going on to other things. Uh, but, no, it was never really going to be the career. As I say, we all had we all had enough invested in, in where we were going career-wise that it was never going to be something to do. But do you think that's a slight uh, sort of drawback of being you, – you said it was sort of set up for you, your career, your, your, your degree, your PhD, your, then your very successful job – and do you think that's slightly because maybe of that age when you it was a very sort of unidimensional career focus? Where I mean, nowadays we're almost encouraged to have sort of multiple careers because it's not it's a zigzag, not a straight line. Whereas back then, do you think if if you were perhaps less, if it, if you were sort of young now, would you perhaps have pursued that? I don't know. I we were <laughs> fast forward a year or so. We were we we sort of finished up really. And I was doing some work um, in uh, near Blackpool in Lytham, Lytham St Anne's, and I remember walking past the pier, and there were some posters up for the summer shows that summer, and one of the shows was um, this bunch of young men dressed quite smartly, and they were called they were called uh, the Crazy Boys or something like this, that it was, uh, and they were in a suitably sort of crazy pose on the camera, and I thought, oh God. It's my lot. It's 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 us. Just you know, reworked, and I thought so. Realistically, yeah. Apart from the 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 the, uh, the charity single that never was, uh, the best we could hope for was probably a dodgy summer season at the end of the pier at Lytham St Anne's. That was our musical future. Um, and as I say, um, I can't speak for myself, but yeah, members of the of the group have gone on to to, to great and wonderful things, and are, and, are, and are saving lives and inspiring people around the world. So uh, let's 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 not go there. Let's not imagine Shawback and Sides really had a future. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I think I think it. Well, you got to dream, I guess. But I mean, it sounds as if it, doing doing your charity work it, that that was that it wasn't about becoming the famous, most famous acapella group. It was about just having a good time and yeah. giving back. And I think that, I guess that's more valuable than. And we did better. some we did some amazing charity gigs as well. Um, we were on stage with um, sort of Griff Reese Jones and Mel Smith and Sandy Toxvig and Mel and Sue and Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie. Yeah, sharing stages with people like that. Uh, and then we go along and do a little silly little song, and um, we've had Sam Mendes was was directing it one time, which was very surreal. Um, yeah, it was just just it was just a, a, a charity sort of uh, compilation show of, of different acts. But yeah, to mingle backstage with all that lot it was 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 great fun. But it was it was just a, a silly sort of dream world you lived in occasionally. It was a pastime, or a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like sort of a fantasy world. I mean, the, the, one of those gigs I remember I was I was already back working here. And so, you know, I left the stage at 11 o'clock to, there were, it was the Cambridge Corn Exchange. There's a few thousand people out there uh, and there's all these sort of household names of comedy and, and Cambridge, whatever. Uh, and then I got in the car and got back to Bryanston at three o'clock in the morning and uh, eight o'clock the next morning into class. Blimey. And I, 
Did you, did you ever say to your pupils, did you, did you see me on, on the... No, well, uh, there's no TV coverage. No TV coverage but no. Uh, still buzzing, though. But it's quite a, it's quite a different, um, quite a sort of contrast, isn't it, between the two sort of realities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's an odd thing. If anybody who's done this sort of thing, if you've just been in the school musicals or whatever, that sort of show, that sense of, uh, you know, people watching you and you being the centre of attention, uh, even if you're, you know, just got a, a bit part or chorus, and then suddenly you walk outside and, you know, you have that slight sense of, surely people should be here stopping me. And then they go, it's you, isn't it? But, yeah, it doesn't happen. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Well, tell us about your next track, Reasons for Waiting. Uh, oh, right, Reasons for Waiting. So this is uh, from Jethro Tull. Um, plug, Jethro Tull's going to be my, uh, my, my band uh, in a week or so's time on my show. Uh, <laughs> and this is, this is a soppy one. Uh, this is a soppy one uh, in that um, uh, my wife, who those listening to this mostly know, um, we sort of got together over a long period of time and uh, she spent a lot of the time on the other side of the planet. Uh, so uh, I had reasons for waiting, uh, which is the song, and eventually she came back. Oh. What a sight for my eyes To see you in sleep Could it stop the sunrise Hearing you weep You're not seen, you're not heard But I stand by my word Came a thousand miles Just to catch you while You're smiling What a day for laughter and walking at night Me following after Your hand holding tight And the memory stays clear With a song that you Doc Collins just told us that he met his wife through music so it's obviously it, there's a deep root to, uh, no wonder you love music so much. Yeah, it was actually through a, a musical theatre and uh, a show of uh, a Half Sixpence. Terrible show, really. But, um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was in it and, uh, and Mrs Carney uh, was, uh, was doing the costumes. Aww. And uh, we, I, I knew some of her friends from before as well, but uh, that was the first time we sort of, uh, we got talking sort of independently of everyone else. Oh, and so you're, you're going to be on this desert island on your own. You, you, you've highlighted the fact quite a few times that you're a very people person. Um, you're, you're, do you think you'll struggle on this island? No, 
Well, I mean, you know, survival-wise, uh, who knows? But in terms of being, I, I'm perfectly happy in my own company, and you know, I've, I, I, as you said, I came, I wanted to get towards work with people, um, but I, I, I enjoy some some peace and quiet, and uh, maybe it'll be too much peace and quiet, but. If I can uh, rig myself up a fishing rod or something out of some branches and things, I'll be I'll be quite happy. I do like a bit of fishing, and to think of just you know days and days having nothing else to do, she's always quite relaxing, really. Especially well, especially on a report deadline night. Oh God, I'm so sorry for dragging you away from that. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a bit of light relief. I don't know. Um, t- and tell us, you, you, you're, you're allowed to take with you a book and a luxury item. What will you be taking? Yeah, so, mm, book, I mean, there's the old classic of, you know, take the SAS survival guide, but uh, it's a bit, bit of a cheesy one. Yeah. Um, I think probably I, I ought to reread. I've been saying for so long that my one of my favourite books uh, was uh, Foucault's Pendulum by Umberto Eco. And I, and I think I used to honour that, but I haven't read it in a long time. Uh, and it's quite a big read. Uh, maybe I should go something even bigger, but I think there's enough depth in it, enough enough uh, stuff to get stuck into. And your luxury item? Um, well, I thought of two things, and one I thought you were not going to let me have, because uh, the thing I would probably most like would be uh, the most enormous selection of Lego. Uh, oh. But but of course I can't have anything that's practical. So you know, if there's oh. enough Lego to build a shelter or a boat, then it's a bit naughty, Ooh, really. That isn't would be it? a lot of your Lego. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking about here. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Uh, so so I think maybe I don't know. Maybe it's finally time instead of just thinking about it that I should learn to play the guitar. Oh, that's, I think that's a nice challenge. It's a. Did it happen in lockdown or was it attempted? Or... No, no, no. I just think this is it. I ought to, <laughs> you to do it. You need to do it now. Just, you need do it. You need an island. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, this is it. What else am I going to do? I know. I'll finally learn to to, to play the guitar. Just because I've often thought about it. I love it. That's that's a great. I think that's a really practical, most practical <laughs> instrument. It keeps the music going as well. Yeah, you'll be happy. You'll be happy. Yeah. Um, well, it's been a pleasure to um, have you on Bryland, and Thank I you. hope I hope it's been. I know it's been a bit sort of sort of delay, but we're it's 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 coming to an end now. Um, but tell us about your last track, last and. And the best, maybe, <coughs> in your eyes by Peter Gabriel. Yeah. So again, it's it's sort of partly cho- chosen because um, of the artist and Peter Gabriel, um, instrumental in, in in music I was listening to, sort of university days and thereafter. Uh, I'm not a big Genesis fan from where he came from, but I loved a lot of his solo work. Uh, saw him live a couple of times. And in your eyes, it's, it is another soppy one. Um, so I won't say too much. But uh, but no, it's it, it it gets me. It gets me there every time. It's one of those songs. Oh, well, here it is. And once again, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Ollie, as well, for coming and learning the rope. Thank you, Zander, as well, for being the sort of tech behind the, the show. I could not do it without them all. Um, and look forward to next week. So lost, 
Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.